Hello and welcome to the Knowledge Out College Podcast. This is your host, Patrick Butler. And today, my God, I have an awesome episode to share with you. This one uh, completely came by surprise and I was honored to be able to do this. So I had a conversation with a gentleman named Vim Abotzer. Vim is the founder of a company, a Swiss company called Micro. And they have some amazing products that they've created throughout the years. You're probably familiar with the one that took the world by storm in 1999, the Razor Scooter. Uh, Vim was the original creator of the Razor Scooter and has continued to innovate new products in the sort of urban transportation space over the years, including a bunch of different scooters, electric scooters, and now his most recent project is a small, almost car called the Micro Lino. We talk about all these different products and more, sort of his journey, uh, his entrepreneurial journey over the course of the past you know, couple decades, how he uh, thought of the idea of these products and how he is able to look at the past and look towards the future for developing new products. He's truly an amazing entrepreneur. He has the spirit of an amazing entrepreneur and he has a lot of valuable lessons to share uh, in this conversation. So please, without further delay, enjoy this episode with Vim Abater. Vim, thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's a real honor to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much for inviting me to this conversation. And um, I'm really glad to talk about uh, our vision, maybe also about our history, and maybe to get some ideas for other people, what they should do if they have an idea and uh, to make it happen, not just dream about it. Absolutely. So let's talk about how your idea first started. W would you mind sharing with the listeners, maybe those uh, out there who haven't, or are not familiar with your work, uh, sort of what your company is all about, how you got it started, and what drove you to get it started? Well, for those uh, who probably don't know who I am, I'm actually the inventor of the Razor Scooter, which uh, came onto the market in 1999. Uh, the reason I did that, because I was a lazy guy going in Zurich, because this was a distance which is too far to walk, but it was also uh, too short to take the bicycle out of your cellar. So I said, I need to be something handy and easy. Of course, a skateboard would have been the right thing, but if you haven't learned skateboarding when you're young, you're not going to learn it when you're 18 years old. So I made a, a small um, scooter with small wheels, with inline skate wheels, and uh, it actually worked perfect. The problem was, and I wanted to go into a bar afterwards, after my sausage, the people looked at me like, oh, who's that crazy guy with that uh, little scooter? So in order not to be that embarrassed, I said, well, let's make it collapsible so I can fold it back, put it into a shopping bag, and then nobody will see me. So that's how the, this portable mobility, portable micro-mobility actually started. Wow, I love that. And so you, 
as the creator of the Razor Scooter, did you anticipate that it would sort of catch fire so quickly? No, absolutely not. First of all, I was, uh, I was giving this idea about my vision of, of urban mobility to my friends, and they said, you got to be kidding. I mean, nobody's going to ride this. Not even a dead kid wants to be seen on this. And no, I tell you, for a kid, it's for an adult. And, and uh, so I was very disappointed when my friends didn't really like my idea. And uh, so I had my prototype. So I was in the, in the garage in, uh, where I lived, and the kids came, and they were riding it. And my wife came and said, uh, there's something about this. You know, the kids stand in line, sometimes 20 kids on a Saturday afternoon. They want to ride it, and why didn't you do it? I said, it's not for the kids, honey. It's um, for adults. I said, yeah, but why don't you do it? I said, do you mind if I would do it? Because then you will be the scooter mother or the scooter wife. It's not so cool, you know. I said, no, I don't have a problem. And because she said that, she gave me this courage. She said, okay, let's do it. Because just talk about the vision is it, different than to, to make it happen. You know, and then at that time, of course, I'm because I was studying marketing, I was uh, thinking about how can I make as, uh, as an adult scooter for for mobility. And at that time, there was the the smart car was just uh, launched. So I made a, a video with a friend of mine. Today, everything makes a video. It's uh, on on Kickstarter, but at that time there was no Kickstarter. I made a little video and I showed it to the smart uh, people, and they um, they actually liked it and they wanted to put it in every in every car. But then, unfortunately, um, the project with the smart was delayed because of several uh, issues, and um, they didn't want to, let's say, continue with my idea anymore. But meanwhile, I already already had a big mouth in in, in China where I was look, looking for a for a producer, and um, well, then they um, they actually uh, started to produce um, the the scooter, and uh, we were surprised because uh, at the beginning. When we produced um, with 500 people in China, uh, within one year we go up to 50,000 workers, and we produced 80,000 scooters per day. So it was incredible. Wow. So we had three factories running full time, and the, you know, one of the Razor scooters everybody knows, but then also on the on the, our brand, micro brand. So it was a much bigger than than it was ever expected, and this was only possible to do in China because. In China, you have the possibility to rent the factory uh, only for uh, for a couple of months. You have the possibility to get um, uh, workers from the government, young people that come down from the north, which is in the north there is no factory, there's not enough work. So the government in China at that time, 1999, has, has organized uh, these, uh, they call it travel workers. So that's how we were uh, basically able to, to go up that quickly. But on the other hand, you know, when you're successful and, and you and the business is running that quickly, uh, I guarantee that a lot of people they say, "What is going on here?" And then in China, of course, it's a big compliment if you get copied. And I got so many compliments, you have no idea. I think over <laughs> 400 factories at the end were giving me compliments and making our scooters. So uh, eventually, the whole market collapsed. But um, because we were at the beginning. And uh, we are early, and at that time, we, we actually, uh, our, um, in, the, in the U.S., our main customer uh, was Hockey Bicycle, and then um, also at that time, it was Sharper Image, and it was the, the, the hottest product they ever had in their history. Wow. I mean, I, I can tell you, I remember uh, as a kid in 1999, I got a Razor scooter. I was one of the first kids on the block with one, and I can tell you it was very popular. So. It, 
it's definitely clear that your idea, uh, you know, was a winner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it was it was really a short time because uh, then the the market really collapsed because too many products came on the market. So your company went went bankrupt, and and then you were you were able to buy goods for let's say five dollars, and then it's it, it's rather difficult to make the market. But because we have been making a, a good amount of money, we have said okay, let let's invest into innovation. And so for three years we didn't really sell a lot of goods anymore, but we uh, we did a lot of uh, innovation, new products, and so on, and. That vision is always, we call it blue ocean marketing. That means we want to go into a new field where there is no competition because it's a new product. And there you start again. And that's something we have done a few times in the last uh, 20 years. And uh, it is our concept of, uh, um, you know, business concept of uh, driven by innovation and, uh, and going into new markets. I, I really love that idea, uh, the blue ocean marketing and what you've been able to do by creating new innovative products. And I'm curious, you know, with your background, did you have experience, you know, in entrepreneurship before the, the Razor Scooter? Yes, I had some, some experience. First of all, I was um, running a textile factory in uh, South Carolina with a friend of mine. And uh, so this there, I was an entrepreneur. It was not such, a, let's say, a, such a marketing-driven um, business. But anyhow, I learned some some basics. Uh, after that, I was uh, in Switzerland, um, had some experience in the real estate, where I was making two constru- two bigger constructions. And uh, but then, I mean, the, the whole scooter business was 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 never planned to become that uh, that big. So it was really like a like a little hobby, and all of a sudden the I was just concentrating only on this. I I love that, and I'm the part that I I think is so unique is how you were able to recognize uh, the value of going into new markets and exploring areas that nobody else is going into instead of staying fixated on on that one you know really popular product. You're able to move on to innovating new products. Uh, was that something that happened Absolutely. naturally, or was it, was there some resistance to to leaving? The, the successful scooter business. No, the, the, you have to see that if you go, if the market only goes into the in, into a price war, you have no chance to win it because there is always a Chinese factory that can deliver directly onto the market, and uh, so you have to make innovation, you have to build up a brand and image, and that's the only way you can actually survive. Where did you learn that from? Did you just sort of figure that out on your own, or are there certain influences that you drew from to to? Yeah, just, uh, I think maybe it, maybe it was my stomach. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm not. I wasn't a very good student, so I had a very heavy dyslexic. So I was um, a very very bad student, and um, for me it was always um, I had to do something completely different in order to uh, to survive because. Uh, I, I, I couldn't go to the university um, with my degrees, and um, so I had to do something completely different. Did Did you graduate uh, university? Given this is the Knowledge Without College podcast, I'm curious if you uh, if you how much formal education you did get at university. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go to the university. Got it. So, following sort of the uh, the price war over the Razor scooters, what was the next product that you uh, fixated on? Um, we actually then came out with the uh, Mini Micro, which is a wheel scooter that we also call it Kickboard, for the, especially for the very young kids. The reason was 
um, if you have three wheels, you have a more safety uh, product for children. They cannot oversteer. It is plastic. It is very light. Uh, it's also cheaper. And so this was what then our um, our next uh, product we really produced in um, very very big numbers. Also got copied, of course. After that, we go into the um, into the um, we call it scooter luggage. We we joined up with Samsonite. We made like a, a trolley with an integrated kickboard for, for a scooter. So that was also quite successful. Um, and then we go into the um, um, into the stone scooter. Uh, means that the scooters they go into half pipes, skateboards, uh, parks, and uh, this has really become now also a sport. Although at the beginning they were laughing at us, ah, come on, I mean, it's not cool. Their skateboarders don't like it. No, it's not for the skateboarders. It's for all the other kids because you can have much quicker. You will have, um, uh, let's say, a, um, a success feeling, and that's why you you go on. And now this market is uh, is. It's still growing. Um, it's a quite interesting uh, market for us as well. So it's become even a sporty element of out of this scooter. Now, when you notice that people are starting to use your scooters for things like that, like you know uh, half pipes and things like that, did you, you know, did, like is was that inspiration to move in that direction to innovate more products, you know, that would you know augment that experience? You know, you have to see when you're in, in one business and you only think about this business, nothing else. And I didn't think about both. I didn't think about planes. I didn't think, you know, then you, it's it automatically you talk to people and you come to the next product. You come to the next product. That's why you, you come to the extreme scooter. You come to the electric scooter, which I, we could talk about this afterwards. Um, then also about, the, you know, new technology, new batteries are coming out and, uh, and at the end, you have a whole network, and then then this momentum also goes by itself. It's not, you know, the first success is really really difficult, and to do it, and 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 and, but then when you have a certain um, network, uh, it will also come a little bit automatically, I have to say, because of your of your partners, your network, you have your reputation, your branding, etc. Got it. Got it. Yeah, let's let's talk about electric scooters. So I'm based in Los Angeles, and you know, last year a few electric scooter companies came onto the market, like Bird and Lime, and uh, took some cities like Santa Monica by storm. Where they, you know, now they're everywhere you look; uh, they're all over the place. And it seems like you were about 20 years ahead of the curve on on recognizing this last mile problem of transportation. And you know, using something like a mobile scooter to to you know get you to the, your final destination. What what are your thoughts on this on the latest you know sort of e scooter uh, craze that's going on? Well, first of all, I have to say that that this is what I really like about the US. You know, if you people just make things happen and possible, and and uh, just, they just do it. You know. And uh, over here in Europe, uh, we talk about regulations, and, and I mean in Germany still, it's illegal to ride an electric scooter. I mean, you have to imagine this. I mean, they make cars with uh, 500 horsepower, and um, <laughs> and an electric scooter is not is not allowed. Yes, I mean it's going to change this year, but it took them a very long time. So for me, it was it was great to see that people have realized that the scooter. Electric, not electric, is a, is a good, um, um, that's a vehicle to get around in a, in the city. But 
20 years ago, I mean, you didn't have a mobile phone, so it was not so easy for, let's say, this free float system. Personally, for the future, I think the free float will um, probably come to an end because the business case on the free float, I think, is quite critical because um, the scooters will be worn out in a relatively short time and uh, other people, they they be... Um, that they're disappointed or they're angry when the scooters are lying around. So I think you need to have more uh, like a docking station version. Uh, so this is more in a in a in a in an orderly place that just is a free float um, uh, product. And we see this already in Europe coming that um, uh, some some cities are are not allowing this free float system anymore, and they're looking for new for new systems. But yeah, it will not disappear. It will not disappear. Electricity and Estonia also the, the first study we have been reading in, uh, that came out in the US that uh, women are actually pre- uh, there are more women percentage-wise using electricity than than a rental bike. And that, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's interesting as well. I, and I I would guess the reason is because the scooter is so much more uh, sort of mobile. You know, a bike is pretty bulky, and you you need you know, uh, it takes up more space when you're trying to, you know, uh, dock it somewhere. Uh, whereas with the scooters, you know, it's it's like if you see people riding them around in, in Los Angeles here, they're, you know, on the sidewalks or on the street, they're they're weaving through like the alleys behind buildings. Uh, they're going all over the place and, and they're able to just sort of leave the, you know, lean the bike against the Starbucks or, or the scooter against the Starbucks and just leave it. So it's very like a tactical device. Uh, and you you produce electric scooters as well, correct? Yes, we also make electric scooters, but but we don't uh, at the moment we don't have let's say our own uh, free float uh, system. We we have now uh, in in Switzerland we starting with a with a special docking sta- uh, system station like you have it for bikes because we believe this is um, this is the future and the the that the cities or the communities they are more likely to move into this direction. But also, we are working uh, on um, on the two versions, one for BMW and one for another big car company, um, that they see that this last mile issue is quite important. They have already done it with Peugeot about uh, three years ago. Uh, Peugeot had an electric scooter from us, which was a very special electric scooter because you couldn't see it's electric, because it wasn't quite legal, so we had to make it that first, that you don't see it's electric, and second, that it's a hybrid. That means you can scoot without, because it was very light, it was only seven and a half kilos for electric scooter. Oh, it's really ultra light, and it was small. It had no cables, nothing, but you really couldn't see it has an electric system. And this was quite an interesting uh, product in combination with, uh, with a car, or also in combination with public transport, because um, this is like the first and last mile discussion I think for this you need small uh, vehicles. The ones which you have now, bird and blind, they are too big to take to the train or the buses. Uh, that's why we really believe um, smaller, portable, light electric scooters still have a big future. I think that's incredible. And you mentioned you you work with some car companies. So are you working on like potentially a system where a scooter can be, you know, like easily, you know, like secured in a in a car? So that it's like easily accessible when you arrive at your destination, or any sort of integration there. No, we have a docking station for uh, for the for the car where you can charge it, and you even have an app where you can uh, 
actually uh, see in the car um, about information on the on the food, how, how long you were riding the vehicle. And all this is now also connected to your mobile phone, where you can set um, different uh, drive modes. Let's say if you if your kids want to drive on the on the on the backyard, make sure that the that the speed is going to be less because kids are driving. Yeah, you have uh, you see how many kilometers you have been riding, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So the connection with with uh, with the smartphone is, is all of a sudden uh, the food becomes like a smart product because it gets it is, it's, it's a changing of the of information. It's kind of interesting. So, but this is all only possible because other people are developing new batteries. Uh, smaller motors, all this helps to make new products. Besides uh, the smaller motors and batteries, are there any other sort of uh, technology? Is there any technology being developed out there that you're keeping your eye on as a potential game changer for the scooter industry? Well, uh, let's say for the for the material aluminum, um, special type of aluminum, it's called something to keep an eye on. Then the special material for uh, for wheels that are that have a good and nice rebound, um, but they are not with air, not filled with air. Uh, so this is just on the material side we look on it. And then of course we take whatever uh, battery are coming into the market, we of course analyze them. These are the big companies that are making this, if this is Samsung and or LG, or however they're being called. I mean, you, you buy the cells from them. I mean, they make the, uh, the big, uh, let's say, uh, innovation. Uh, of new technology and so we just use uh, them as quick as possible also what we do with our maybe come to that later on to our little uh, little car we are, we are now <laughs> launching um, this year uh, also there we, we, we are not doing our own uh, um, development of, of material it is it is uh, uh, we just make a product but we don't make like fundamental engine, um, development of new material yeah, let's talk about that. Because again, I think it's so cool what you're able to do where you keep looking to the future. You keep looking for, uh, like you described, blue ocean marketing areas where you can be the first in that uh, in that market and totally innovate, which I think is just, got. it's the most important thing about being an entrepreneur is being able to look past your current products and be able to innovate new products, even if they affect the sales of your other products. Um, and so let's talk about this. So your new car is the, Microlino, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. yeah. When I came up with the, with, with the next with my uh, scooter, I was wondering why all these bicycle companies didn't didn't uh, didn't do it because they had their factories, they had their distribution network, they had everything to do it. But you know what? They were too cool the scooter. They, so this was under their what's it under their level. You know, I'm not, I'm not making a scooter. I'm making a bicycle. You know, I'm a I'm a, I'm a bike guy. So this gave us. A market free without, at, at the beginning, without any competitors with, uh, with uh, brands, you know, like, uh, you know, all the, all the, all the bike brands. And now, looking into the car, we have, uh, the car we are doing is not a car. It's a light electric vehicle. You call it in the US, I think it's called a quadricycle, um, or a light neighborhood vehicle. And so this is a different class. And the car industry doesn't want to go into this segment. Why? Exactly with the bike companies. It's under their uh, level of image. You understand? <laughs> Not yeah. a car. So, come on. We are car company. We make cars. And so, exactly. Okay, let's do it. Let's, let's give it a, a try. We make it not a car. Because for us, it's a step up. From the future, we make now this little car. 
And uh, we were surprised when we came out first. This was about four years ago when we actually started this as a marketing idea. And we were surprised how uh, positive the reaction we had at the car show in Geneva. And within, uh, I think within five days, we had a reservation of, uh, made a reservation list and we had a reservation of about 400, 450 uh, of these uh, light uh, vehicles. And so we said, okay, let's, uh, let's do it real. Let's make a real project out of it. And now we are absolutely surprised that the timing couldn't really be better. Because of the diesel gate, you have to, I'm sure you have heard, because of now the, the, the environmental issue. Uh, so people now start, at least the politicians start talking about we need to have this better, uh, better, um, uh, let's say lifestyle quality. We have to have less traffic in the cities, etc. Et now this car is Electric, first of all. Second, it's only for two people. And you look that um, most of the time, the average uh, people sitting in the car is 1.5 people. So this is incredible when you think about that. <laughs> and, um, and the other thing is the average distance from the from, from study is uh, that people are riding is uh, 36 kilometers. I mean, not that far. So we said, why not make a car at least that you can probably cover maybe, let's say, 90% of your trips. Huh? And so this was the idea to have a, a car that is space-saving because you can park sideways. You can open the front, the, the, you can open the door. There's only one door, like the, the front door. So you can exit to the sidewalk. So it's a little bit of a different concept. Originally started, already, that's why I looked back into the car, in 1955. There was an Italian company that came out with this concept. Afterwards, BMW buy, buy the license for this car. It was called uh, BMW Iveta. Iveta. Maybe some older people remember this, this car. And you say, look, actually, this was a good concept. That time, in 1955, the people bought this car because they didn't have enough money for a real car after the Second World War. But today, people have, a lot of people have money to buy a big SUV, but that's not what we need. So we think maybe now it's time to go back to this concept again, not because of the money, but because of let's make a car that is using less energy in production and is using less space and is using less energy while you drive it. So there you go. Today, I think this whole concept bringing into it with new technology, new battery, new motors, etc., is making a new product. And then with a good branding and with a good story behind it, then um, you have a new product. And our Microlino now is, uh, um, has already been, become quite famous. And uh, some top journalists from the car industry mentioned that, that the uh, Geneva Car Show, this was uh, one of the top products they have seen next to Ferrari and all that. So that's kind of fun. That's, that's amazing. And I, I got a few questions for you about the specifications of the Microlino. Like, how a uh, few things one is uh, what would be the top speed what is the uh range of the vehicle and uh how long does it take to charge and how much power does it take to charge okay first of all we have a uh, we have a, a regulation in in europe and uh, this this vehicle is called l7e just for you to know it's not a car it's something it's 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 the same category like the Renault Tweezy. Maybe some people know you the Renault Tweezy. It's, uh, it's also a small electric car. Um, there you have also for two people, but the people sit 
behind each other, which I think is absolutely uncool. In our car, we sit next to each other. It makes a huge difference for the, for the lifestyle. The speed um, in, in, in Europe, maximum speed is 90 kilometers. We have um, um, power 11 kilowatts. We have a range with a small battery of 125 kilometers. Sorry, I only know the kilometers. I don't know the, the miles. You have to, to, to switch into miles. And with the big battery, it's going to be 200 kilometers. So this is by far enough uh, for, let's say, this short distance. We have different um, uh, charging um, uh, modes. Uh, slowest one is um, goes four hours, and the fastest one say, only takes one hour to, um, to fill up the, the small battery. Uh, the weight is limited. It can only be 450 kilos. Uh, this is the max from, from by law. Our car is 435 kilograms. Wow. Uh, we have the, the, the dimensions kind of interesting. It, it can only be one and a half meter wide, maximum by law. And um, it's um, it only, uh, let's say, a little less than two and a half meters. That's why you can park it sideways, you know, and exit to the sidewalk. So this is really unique. And uh, we can put three microlinos on one parking spot because you can park them side, side to side because there are no side doors and you exit into the front, from the front door. So that makes a completely new, um, let's say, space-saving uh, vehicle out of this. Um, okay, so this is the, the, the basic idea about this car, and also when you look about production, because of, if you look at the weight, uh, with only uh, uh, 430 kilograms, that means we use less material. And the other thing is we use about 60% less components than a regular standard car. So that means in production, we also have a lot less material. We use a lot less energy. And that also counts, you know. Yeah, that's that's huge. And and I, what I think is so amazing about this product, is that it it's one that if uh, popularized will have massive ripple effects on cities. Like if you can all of a sudden triple the value of a parking space, or uh, you can just increase the space available on city streets, like uh, and and lessen the amount of pollution. And also lessen the the toll of, uh, you know, the materials, you know, needing and energy needed to be used to build the cars like that. That just has massive ripple effects. Is that sort of, is that what you think about when you're designing these products is how many areas can I, you know, improve upon? Or is it, you know, are those just beautiful sort of side effects of, of a, of a creative, nice product? No, I mean, this is for us, it was, really the idea to say, look, we need to change something. I mean, you can't go on like this. And, um, and, and, and the city, I mean, you cannot build the city on uh, three, three, four floors. It's not possible. So you need to, you need to, to, to have uh, uh, vehicles that use less space just for parking for, for the, for the streets. And we need, in the city, we need, we don't need uh, tanks, you know, I mean, Let's just, you know, one of these SUVs, you know, one, I don't want to mention any names, but when they have 500 horsepower and they are uh, close to uh, two and a half tons, I mean, they should not go into downtown anymore because there is not a war. I mean, take something small and that's the, the idea. But it has to become a cool car. You know, you should not look like a loser. And that's what I think what we have created also with our scooters to be, to, 
to make a product that wasn't that cool at the beginning that to become actually a cool product. And if you go on in, on, uh, on the internet and you and you you punch in celebrities and uh, micro scooters and you see so many pictures of celebrities that are riding our scooter. That also shows how um, let's say how cool you we, we actually made our um, our scooter product last. Now for the for the car we are we are planning to do the same the, the same thing and um, but we need some support of course uh, also from the government that they give a small parking uh, space mm -hmm. because when you have um, when you make small parking space you will always find a parking space in this car. In other words, to have less big uh, parking spaces for big cars, so automatically people probably switch to a smaller car because at the end they want to go into the city and they want to find a parking space. So that I think would be a little bit help of the government would be needed. Um, now, now talking specifically uh, about the U.S., there we have a little problem because the U.S. does not have this category. They don't have it. So our car would be a neighborhood vehicle. And I think they can only drive 25 miles per hour, and they can only go onto certain streets. So actually, I think uh, in the U.S., they would have to rethink about their um, category of uh, vehicles and maybe make uh, this light electric vehicle a special category. Otherwise, the, the big SUV will continue to be drive around in downtown in LA, San Francisco, where they have really, uh, where they shouldn't drive around. Now, what we can do for the, for the US, we are, um, we will start very soon um, to make a reconstruction of our Microlino. That means we have to take one wheel off. Which makes the car a bit less safe, but then there is no restrictions in the US because it, it becomes a three-wheeler. So that's kind of fun. So you sometimes you have to adapt your innovation, your product to some, let's say, old rules in some countries in order to uh, to be able to to sell your product there. I I think that's. Uh... It's got to be one of the biggest challenges of, of launching this product is just handling all of the local regulations around these types of, uh, you know, a product that's kind of like a car. Um, and what was your, you know, thought process going into making this? I, I mean, you mentioned when you were making the scooter at first, you were sort of discouraged before your wife gave you the courage to, you know, continue working on that project. Was there any similar experience with the Microlino or, or, uh, any? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I had a similar experience. First of all, it was really just an idea of making uh, a marketing story because we go to several shows and our vision is uh, we are mobility or better urban lifestyle. And we said, you know, actually we, we, we are making products for kids but also for adults. How can we, we differentiate with, with, with other companies that our vision is mobility and that we are a really serious mobility brand and not just a toy brand, let's say. So that when you make a car, we will be the first that's a toy company um, that that was ever making a real car. Okay, it's not a real car, but you know what I mean? That people sit inside and they can actually drive from A to B without getting anywhere. So this was the idea of having like this concept car we can use on our shows. And it turned out that um, the, the interest of this car was much bigger than we had expected. 
we had so many journalists writing about this car and the reservation, as I said, on the first show, the car show in Geneva uh, was, uh, was close to 500 reservations within uh, less than 10 days. So that's my two boys, Oliver and Merlin. They are now 23 and 24. Uh, they put me a lot under pressure. And they said, Dad, you got to do it. And I said to my boys, listen, first of all, I'm not that young anymore. And I have really been going through a struggle um, in this um, free market of scooters with all the Chinese products, et cetera, et cetera. You really want me to, to push again into a new market where they are, I guarantee you they are the very big, big players out there. Uh, you really want me to do that? And he said, yes, but uh, we will help you. And I said, okay, um, that's a commitment. So um, uh, we made a deal and um, that if you jump in right from the beginning now, then I'll do it. And so there was fun. So now it's a, it's a really family business. I work with my two sons together. Uh, they run this, uh, this car project, the Microlino project. And um, it is, there is, for me as an entrepreneur, there is nothing nicer than to work together with your, with your, with your kids. This is for me the, the best time uh, and uh, the best return on, uh, let's say, investment, investment of my time because I get it back with my spending a lot of time with my, with my kids. Where normally in that age, you probably kind of, you, you, your kids probably fade out a, a bit more. You know, they do their own thing and so on. But I mean, we together seven days a week, and we're traveling, and I'm really, really grateful to have this opportunity. But I was pushed by my two boys. Yes, I have to say. Oh, it was my wife, and I was my and my wife is still working in companies and handling all the finances, and um, yeah. So I have my boss too. <laughs> That's really great. I love that story. I feel like there's something. Um almost metaphorical, you know, like how we talked about how you have to be able to look beyond your current products and something about, you know, the next generation sort of pushing you to, again, evolve to pushing past, you know, the area that you're comfortable with. I think that's a really great story. Yeah, it's also important that you see that uh, uh, when you can work with, the, with, the, with another generation, they have another view again, um, let's say social media, et cetera, uh, which then also opens a new possibility for your uh, product. For example, my boys have made a video, uh, a, a short video uh, about the Microlino, and it was unbelievable. I mean, what short time uh, to social media we had over, uh, I think, over 20 million views, which I would, I mean, <laughs> um, I would have not uh, known how to do to make it happen. But today, working with, uh, with, uh, with uh, let's say, older generation. It's also very interesting. They can learn from me. I can learn from them. And um, yeah, but you have the same vision. That's great. That's great. And one thing that you mentioned uh, was making the car cool. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, you share that with Elon Musk, who, you know, when he entered the electric vehicle market with Tesla, you know, similar was sort of laughed off as, as not, you know, not a good idea, not. Uh, probably not a practical product, but his vision was to make the product cool. And I'm curious if, you know, if you've considered using some of the other uh, or considered, you know, maybe some Tesla self-driving hardware or software in your micro Lino. Well, first of all, thank you for uh, for mentioning uh, our product in uh, relation with Al Musk, because I think he has done a great thing. And he, he waked up the whole industry, car industry, 
um, uh, to, to move into the electric direction. So he did a fantastic job on that. And uh, it is really nice that in, in Switzerland they call us me Tesla. Uh, although our car is far away from its technology, etc. Uh, the self-driving, yes, it will be possible. And we have some, some contacts with people that are making components and uh, um, the products and software that we can just put it into our car. We don't need to develop it, you know, because this you can buy it from the market. Like like uh, people are buying uh, tires. They don't make the tires. I mean, the, the, the car companies don't make the tires. They just buy it, you know. The same with the uh, battery. You don't, you don't have to make the battery. You can actually uh, buy the battery with the lost uh, technology. So eventually we will do this. But we think our car is so much fun to actually drive in the city that uh, maybe people really like to drive uh, this one because it's a little bit like a go-kart because it's a very short wheelbase. So uh, I think uh, they, they will not be self-driving that too. But what it will be, it will be sharing, you know, because the car has inside, you know, it's very simple. We use to the max, absolutely. So no no leather, nothing like this. So this is a really a, a car that you can actually easily um, uh, share with other people. If it's a, if it's a limited uh, uh, user, user group or if it's, a, if it's an open user group, all this is actually possible. So we, we see this also as a, uh, an interesting potential. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool if you had like a, you know, if the car was associated with some sort of like mobile application where you can, you know, allow other people to use your vehicle, maybe without like physical keys or, you know, the normal restrictions of that make, you know, your, your normal personal car so restrictive to other people. Exactly. And I think the, the sharing economy is, of course, coming, but... Let's say, you know, if you buy a very nice, expensive, let's say, BMW or Chevrolet or whatever, let's say, $50,000, um, you don't really want to share it. But here, when you buy a car that is uh, that is only costing about $50,000, it's a different story, you know. So it, it, you're more willing to share it because it's not such a, an expensive car and it's not such a, such a nice image-wise uh, car. But talking about image, you know, also not to forget, Maybe I've heard about Toto once made a very cheap car. It's called Nano. Toto Nano. And they did a fantastic job when it comes to price, how much, how cheap this car was. But they forgot one thing. Because if you have a very cheap car, everybody says it's a cheap car. And you forget about to make the marketing about this car. To make this car a cool product. Not that somebody who's riding that car is a loser because he could only pay that much, then it will be difficult. And that's why it actually failed. Our car is not expensive, but it is a cool car. And I would say you have more possibility to attract some people with a good education standard than with a big muscle car. <laughs> and that's, uh, I think, it's uh, the thing, the direction you have to go into. Where do you see the, uh, or let, let me rewind a little bit. With, with the Microlino, first off, how can people get it? What does it uh, cost and are there options to like finance it? Well, first of all, we will, we will start selling in, in Switzerland because uh, our company is based here and we want to do get some more, um, let's say, experience with the first uh, production run. We probably... This year we produce about uh, between 500 and 800 uh, microinos. Afterwards we're going to, we're going to ramp up the production. 
I don't want to go into the numbers now, but we will first, of course, then go into the German market, let me say, in Europe. But our concept is licensing. Um, what we want to do, and we're already in contact with other countries, they like our concept, and we give a complete franchising for other countries. We tell them how they can build the car, how they, ha they have to do the distribution. They can use our branding, our image. It's a little bit like McDonald's or Burger King. You know, we give them the whole concept so they can make this car and they don't have to start from uh, scratch zero. It's especially interesting also for these countries uh, where they have not such a very high, let's say, experience in making cars. This Michaelino is so simple and when you make um, uh, the possibility that they can buy components from, let's say, from us, so they can assemble this car relatively easily. And uh, this is a completely new market because then all of a sudden you have in countries um, like Brazil or, or Indonesia, so you can actually, with the local people, you can make this car because it's simple and um, it is not that expensive. As I said, for the price, we at the moment we are aiming at about fifteen thousand dollars, but we are, we are sure when we when you ramp up with the, the quantity, uh, the price will definitely go down because we want to use standard components. And uh, of course, you know the volume, the bigger the volume is, um, the more interesting the price is going to be. So licensing is actually our model for outside of Europe. Wow, I think that's. That's an awesome idea. Really great. And I, I commend you again for taking the approach of like giving your products, uh, allowing other people to build off of what your innovation is. Because it's, you know, like with the, with your original product with the Razor scooter, you know, other companies are going to come in and steal it. But if you just share it with them, uh, and share yeah, know, the resources and exactly. the energy, it's a, that's a, uh, that's, that's yeah. actually two learning from the past. You know, one is, of course, yes. I mean, it's good that you can uh, you can uh, copy very easily, of course. But at the other hand, we had some problems to to ship our scooters into some countries because of the import taxes. But uh, at the other hand, you see unemployment rates in some of these countries; they're very high. So why not produce such a simple car there with some government support? Because the government is also interested to have um safe saving and a small electric cars in their uh, city for a better urban lifestyle and so this concept of of producing it locally is also good because you have to ship less material around if you have a car and you produce it somewhere and ship it around around the world it's also not so efficient so the idea is really to be uh, the goal let's say to produce it locally and then maybe only some some heavy um, or let's say complicated components like controller or software uh, can actually then be uh, produced um, centralized and shipped to these to these companies. But when you talk about uh, a wheel, a frame, etc., a lot of these things can be produced uh, locally. What do you imagine as the future for you know like like because it seems like you are the uh, source of all this innovation and these ideas about what. Uh, you know, modern transportation should be like. What other things do you imagine, you know, should belong in the, you know, urban transportation market? Well, uh, I mean, I really believe strongly in the, in the public transportation, in uh, in uh, good trains, uh, of course, because um, they're they electric, they come on time, they, uh, they, they're not using so much space. Uh, so I, I strongly believe in the, in the public transportation, of course. 
Um, I am not. I, I don't believe into the into the drones, into the, the flying around, because of the energy you use is too much, uh, and uh, the space you use is also too much. And if it comes down, it can come down really quickly. So um, no, I don't see the the the, the drone issue as a big uh, uh, game changer, not at all. I see sharing will be important. And I think the younger generation, they, in some areas, let's say they don't want to own a car anymore because it's too expensive for what it gives. And the other thing is, uh, it's cars become less and less of an image uh, product. That you, uh, like, or the image of, let's say, show off product. Because you need to have a very extremely expensive car you really want to show off. So, uh, you know, this is, well, when I was when I was 20 years old, the car was really you were able to show up if you were successful or not. This is not the case anymore. So it has to be practical, it has to be environmental friendly, um, yeah, and um, easy to maintain. Are there any other uh, elements to that you think of when it comes to making a good product, making a, a strong product? Anything else that you really focus around? Um, well, there's a lot of uh, issues you have to look at. First of all, if the, if the person willing to pay with his own money uh, that he uh, for this product, does he want to own it, you know? Or does he think it's just fun to ride, but I never want to buy it? But that's a very key element. And therefore, the product cannot be too uh, expensive. Uh, the other thing is, is this a product where once you, you ride it, you set a possibility that you you have this uh, wow effect. You go, oh, it's cool. I, I want to. I want to. I want to get better. I want to do it again. I want. To. This is very important for the for the for the children, and um, for the toy. Let's say market because um, if you cannot uh, um, get better on it you know, to the next level, it gets boring and you don't use it anymore. For me, it's the hula hoop ring. You know, the ring which you go around your your, your belly and you do. That's okay, you do it, you know, but after you've done it for, 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 for an hour, then you've seen it, you know. Uh, the other one is for me, the pogo stick. It's nice, do it, but do you want to do it on a, on, on a long-term basis for, for months? No, you don't do it. So our vision is always to, to, to use a product, uh, to create a product that is being in use for a long time. When you look at our mini micro for the children, you have a product, you have even a seat for you to sit on. So then you can take the seat off. You have a you have a you have a scooter. You can make a longer T-bar. So you can actually have this this product from two years to seven years. But we talk about five years. You can actually use this this product on a daily basis. And even if you have a product like this, and even if it's costing three times more, it's still the cheapest product you can buy for a plain minute. That's how we calculate. It, you know, so. So some 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 toys they are maybe they are maybe very cheap, but if you only play with it for a half an hour and then not anymore, then it's becoming a very expensive product for this half an hour. Well, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. The value per play minute. Wow. Exactly. Value per play minute. This is for me very important. This is what the children, the parents, when they buy products, have to look more often to say, no, no, it's okay. It's it's. I know it's, uh, it's it's not cheap, but if my kids are really using it for a long time, then it's uh, then it's great. And the other thing is, if I mean, you have a lot of uh, computer games, etc. Also, we are proud that we have a, a, a product that makes kids going outside, move around, 
um, get a better skill for their body feeling, for their balance feeling, etc. So that's also something which we uh, which we strongly believe um, has an impact. You know. I love that. I love that. So, when, what what are what what drives you to keep doing this stuff? You know, it seems like your brand is is doing really well. Uh, your products are always, you know, unique and innovative. Like where, where does this deep why come from? Is this something that you've always had inside you or is this something that you just, you know, sort of developed, uh, you know, unexpectedly? No, I have to say I'm a product guy and, and a product guy means I'm really fascinated when I look at the, at the product and I, I, I have to analyze it. Why is this being done like this? Uh, could it be done better or different? So this is a kind of a of a, of a mind game. I'm, I'm just having, you know. And, um, and and then the next thing is you 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 get to a certain level where you have at the end you have a, you have a network. And also I have to say a lot of people are coming to us with ideas. So you don't have to have all the ideas on your own, but you have to filter out what ideas could be uh, could be great. What ideas. Uh, could be made into uh, into uh, business. So that's also a little bit, this, uh, um, let's say, help from many many other people, from 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 employees, from from our partners, etc., to really become um, into the next level. Got it. Got it. What uh, do do you have any advice for maybe like a young entrepreneur who has an idea that they feel is valuable, but maybe they're they're afraid to you know share it with other people? Yes, I would say first of all they have to they have to uh, have the real passion to do, it. and they should not think about getting pregnant. They must get pregnant, otherwise they never have a child. So that means. Uh, in every part, in every part, there comes a point where you really, either you do it or you, or you, you, you should stop dreaming about. It. And this is a very, very important thing. You have to make it happen because an idea that does not come true is not worth the idea. So that's one thing. The other thing is, um, when you go this path, there is always um, negative things that are going to happen, always. And you should not give up. You should always look at the positive side of a negative. Uh, news or the negative information. So the power of positive thinking and getting up as quick as possible, finding solutions, I think is uh, very important. Another thing is partnership. Sometimes you cannot do everything by yourself. Maybe you need a partner, maybe you need a competitor who will help you. Maybe you need uh, somebody uh, who is good in the production where you're not good. That has So partnership has always been important for us. So that's why we, we actually start that at that time with K2 Ski Company, I don't even know, you know them, K2 Ski Company, they had a good reputation in Europe for an American lifestyle brand, Bordy, and so actually I used that brand on our, on our, on one of our three-wheel scooters to make it a, a cool American product. So you don't understand like this kind of partnership you have to go into. Um, and the other thing is you need to have somebody you can trust or rely on that also helps you to get up. So uh, my wife was a fantastic support, um, helping me going through difficult times. And uh, the other thing you have to see, you have to make a clear financial plan so that you always have enough money um, to go through a difficult time. 
if you depend on uh, let's say on on the good mood of a banker it can be very difficult because if uh, if you want to have a not such good period maybe they are running away so that's also very important to have a, a, a strict and clear financial background or help sometimes it's better not to have it uh, from a bank but uh, in these days it's uh, also possible with uh, with the new way of crowdfunding etc which i think made a lot of uh, entrepreneurs um, successful because they had a possibility uh, to go out with their idea, with their products, uh, and to collect some money in order to get started. Um, yeah, and you have to be an optimist. You have to be a pioneer, and you have to be a visionary. And uh, you should keep your your childhood spirit of being um, of being interested in, in finding out new ways and open. And um, yeah, look what's behind the next wall. You know, you have to have this curiosity. Yeah, I love that. Um, you mentioned the power of positive thinking. That's something that I truly believe in as well. And I, I'm not sure if you're referring like directly to the the book by Norman Vincent Peale, but I'm curious, are, are there any materials or resources that, that have influenced you, any sort of books or, or content that, that you recommend to to people or that had a big influence on you? Um, you know, because I'm um, I'm dyslexic, I'm not such a good reader, but I, I, I do read the book uh, occasionally. I cannot give you a whole list of it right now out of my head, but one book was uh, Simplicity. And the Simplicity writes about that you have to, I mean, whatever you do, it has to be simple. If it's too complicated, people will not buy it, people will not understand it. And I think the American way of thinking in comparison to, let's say, the European way, is definitely more in the direction of keep it simple. And this is something which I think is very important, um, that uh, this simplicity idea comes in. Our scooter was very simple. You know, you fall in within a second. Our, um, uh, our Microlino car is very simple. Um, we have other products. We have uh, one of the most uh, simple, let's say, say, buggy we made for, for children. It's called Trike. It is absolutely simple. So we are really driven by products they are absolutely. I love that. Amazing. Well, when this has been, uh, I've learned so much talking to you in this short time here. And uh, I re again, I really commend you for what you're doing. I think your products are amazing. I think your company is amazing. Um, and I really appreciate your time. I know it's, it's late over there where you're at. Uh, before we wrap up, is there any sort of final asks or requests you'd have for the audience? Anything you want to leave them off with? Um, stop dreaming, make it happen. You got to change something. You shouldn't talk. We should we should make our dreams come true, and it's only by by acting. It, it's that's true. That's true. You can't uh, dreams are worthless if, if you can't act on it. And, and I really appreciate yeah, you bringing that exactly. to me. Yeah, is and if you if you fail once, come on, get up. Get you have learned something. This this is by the way also something which is much more common in the U.S. Uh, that people that are failing they're standing up again. And in Europe they're still a little bit oh you know he failed on that product so so the, the fear of failing is in Europe is a big issue and and uh, uh, therefore I would say the Americans have a better uh, mentality towards that. Get up, try again. Come on, that's the way it is. I'd love to ask you one more question about failure. If there was any point in your career uh, 
with micro where you thought that failure was, uh, you know, dangerously close. And, and if you ever had to, you know, overcome any major failure. Yes, of course, we had, we had a lot of downfalls, a lot of things happened, but what I would do different, uh, next time I thought I would, I would make better contracts. I would consult a lawyer before it is too late to be on the safe side because, um, the legal issue in our complex society should not be underestimated. That's good advice. I'll say, I'll take it. <laughs> and. One final thing I have to know before we wrap up here is, have you ever experienced the pain of a devastating blow when a Razor scooter hits you in the ankle? I mean, if, if somebody else drives into me, you mean? No, like, uh, you know how it spins around? You know, like... Uh, oh, no, that's what it is. Uh, yes, of course it happened. You know, it's, uh, that's the also, we have uh, products where this is not possible anymore. And that's also why we have developed the kickboard. With the, because the kickboard, there are no spinning wheels. The kickboard is a is a tilt steering mechanism, and that's probably why the kids love it so much because that is this cannot happen. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's a good, a good. I'm glad you uh, you fixed that because um, I just remember I'm scarred as remembering as a child. Uh, you know. Yeah. But, but but don't forget. I mean, for the extreme scooter where the kids go into the skate park. They really want to spin it and they jump and they spin the, the scooter, let's say five, ten times around. So they want to have this, uh, this, uh, board spin, you know, but yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what you mean. Yeah. Thank you. Well, well, I appreciate you answering that silly question, but, uh, well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to see what you produce in the future. I'm really excited to keep following uh, your progress, your, your company and, and seeing, you know, what the next innovation is. Cause I know, uh, you know, where, where your mindset is at and where your uh, entrepreneurial spirit comes from, that it's, it's always driven by the right sort of passion, the right sort of intention. And, and I really hope to see, uh, you know, your scooters take off in the United States as well as the Micro Lino. I, I, I really wish you tremendous success. Well, thank you very much, Patrick. And I'd like to thank uh, all our customers for supporting us the last 20 years. Um, even if they buy another product than uh, Micro, you still support us because our vision is the product and not just the brand. Thank you very much, Patrick. Thank you, Em. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at KWC pod on Instagram at knowledge without college podcast. You can find me Patrick Butler at Patrick Butler zero zero on Instagram and Twitter. I encourage you to send over any feedback you have. If there's any guests you'd like to hear on the show, any topics you'd want to hear discussed. I want to know about it. I want to hear your feedback and opinions. So please, Help me make this a better experience for you. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have an excellent day and thanks for listening.